Oh no, I've hotboxed myself. Hold on. Hello, welcome to Tencent Takes, the podcast where we toke our way through the pages of indie comics, one issue at a time. My name is Jessica Frazier, and I'm joined by my co-host, our resident square bear, Mike Thompson. I feel attacked by that statement. <laughs> it's not an attack. We're all different, Mike. <laughs> I mean, it's also very factual. <laughs> it's very factual. Oh, how you doing tonight? Other than feeling attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. It's been a good weekend, so I can't complain. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, everyone, the purpose of this podcast, if you don't know, is to study comic books in ways that are both fun and informative. We want to look at their coolest, weirdest, and silliest moments, as well as examine how they're woven into the larger fabric of pop culture and history. And now listen, if you're enjoying the show so far and you want to help us grow, it'd be a huge help if you'd rate and or review us on Apple Podcasts, because that super duper helps with discoverability. And you want us to be discovered, right? Right? I hope I all hope of you so. say yes. <laughs> so listen up. Friends, grab your favorite weed accessories and get set to take a major chill pill. Today, we're going to be discussing a comic that is both zany and illicit in so many ways. The Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. We're going to discuss the history of this property, the creator, and about the different publications as well as other media where these strange brothers have appeared. We are also, of course, going to insert our own opinions on the er, content of this comic. Yeah, we uh, we got some takes on this one. <laughs> we got opinions, folks. Always. I mean, always. But wait, wait, listen, listen. Before we get into all of that, Mike, what is one cool thing you've read or watched lately? Yeah, so this is actually something that I read today. Ooh. Yeah, so... We are recording this the Sunday after Free Comic Book Day. And so I went with my stepson down to Blue Moon Comics. And for Free Comic Book Day, they actually had a Bay Area comics creator named Jimmy Robinson, who is the guy behind Bomb Queen, I think, over at Image. He has a new series that just came out called Junk Rabbit. And he was just giving away copies. He gave me a sketch cover and it looks amazing. Like I oh, wanted to cool. pay him money and he wouldn't take it. I was like, okay. Oh, I want to stress. This is like a rad new dystopian sci-fi series. Like it's, Ooh. it's really cool. So remember how like the first half of Wally is like just kind of a silent film where we see the wasteland left behind after rampant consumerism ravaged the earth. Um, well, I haven't actually seen Wally. Killing me, Smalls. I know, I know. Sometimes I'm a disappointment to everyone. Okay. As so, we'll find out on this episode. So <laughs> your homework is to go watch Wally after this. Oh, oh darn. Sure. Sure, okay. Hard homework. <laughs> okay, so basically this comic takes that that general premise of like this like kind of garbage-filled planet and it removes anything wholesome or adorable from it and like feel good and turns it up to 11. The story takes place in 2198 when most of the United States is just a trash-filled wasteland and the super rich have fucked off to orbiting cities and moon colonies, but there are still billions of people living here on the earth. And the populace is divided into two groups. There are those living in dome cities, which kind of give off mega city vibes from judge dread but they don't really have to worry about the landfills because they're all domed and they've got you know filtered air and all that and then there are the rest of the people the poor who are basically scraping out an existence in these slum cities out in the trash and the story kicks off with a uh, with like with a streamer from a domed city so you know some things never change in <laughs> in what used to be california he is out engaging in what's called dark tourism where he breaks out of the city and he streams from the trash fields and he's Yikes. like 
he's pretty terrible. Like he spots some some locals and he's like, oh yeah, I remember there's no rules out here. Like I could go kill someone and like I wouldn't be held accountable. Jesus Christ. But then he's killed by someone that we don't see. And so it's Great. like, okay. This, Perfect. Yeah, I'm like, I'm fine with this. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm like, this is this is acceptable. <laughs> he was giving Tate vibes. Yeah, oh yeah. I didn't dig it. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> and I was just sitting there and, I, you know, it's one of those things where you see him getting murdered, like right after he's talking about murdering other people. And I'm like, be the change that you want, man. Like, it's good. Serious. Oh, I love that. But yeah, so the streamer is actually the sole heir of the dome's ruler, like the dome that he came from. And so as a result, an investigation to find the killer and bring them to justice has to happen. And it turns out the killer is someone that's known as the junk rabbit. And the junk rabbit is a person who's kind of like an urban myth among those outside of the city. There's like a whole church among the wastelanders. I believe like the wasteland itself is called the sink, which is kind of cool. So there's like a whole, there's a whole church. They preach about like, you know, the gospel of the rabbit, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of really cool ideas in this comic that are centered around inequity and class warfare. And what's really impressive is that Robinson is actually handling all of the art and all of the writing duties and the art is incredible. Mm. Like the first few pages are these really cool full page spreads showing all sorts of stuff from across history gathered into what's basically a trash pile of time. And then it eventually morphs into a map of the United States. Like it's stunning. I am like going back to the store today and putting it on my pull list. It's so cool. Oh, nice. That's cool. The other thing is like, I've seen this, it's been on my radar because Robinson's been going around to different local shops. Like he was at Cape and Cowell in Oakland. And I think he was also at Flying Colors recently signing copies. Our friend Tom Bayland has talked about it a bit on Facebook, but I am so glad that I started reading this. That's very cool. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's I great. I love a, a good dystopian story as long as it's not the one we're currently in. <laughs> I know, right? As long as it's not our actual <laughs> darkest timeline. Which is, God, can you even believe? Can you even believe the right. fucking world we live in? I just, oh, I can man. wax poetic on that. But I guess instead I'll, I'll talk about something better. Yeah, so please, what are you bringing to the table today? Yeah, something much better. So the other day, my dear friend Matt and I ended up watching one of the Powerpuff Girls movies. The Christmas one, because we're not at all seasonally appropriate. And then we went back and watched a few of the episodes of the show starting from the very beginning. And I have got to say, that show is funnier than it has absolutely any right to be. Oh, it's really good. Like, all that stuff holds up really well. It's so good. And, I mean, I watched it a ton as a kid. I used to love Powerpuff Girls. And so much of it went over my head when I was a kid, of course. The show is so right. freaking funny. So many puns. There's callbacks to pop culture and film. There's so many little adult jabs that make it fun, I think, even for parents or adults to watch, you know, or aging millennials needing a nostalgia boost <laughs> <laughs> like myself. Give me the serotonin. Overall, I was super pleasantly surprised at how well, like you said, the, the show held up. And heck, it's even relevant now as it features and normalizes without making fun of drag and drag culture. Yeah. There are like two or three of the episodes that we watched even in that time frame that had really funny jokes, including drag references, but not like not poking fun at or punching down. It was mm -hmm. just jokes about drag. Yeah. So all in all, I think I'm going to need to take more of a deep dive since I know this is on Netflix, by the way, it's on Netflix <laughs> and go back and check out all of the seasons. I think there's like six on there or something. I mean, there's, and there's a, a couple ton. movies on there. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to make like a live action TV show somewhat recently. And I know it, I don't think it got picked up or it, it, it got retooled and then kind of went into development hell, but I thought I heard something about that. Like. The Powerpuff Girls are still, they still have a lot of, of relevance and, and, you know, fan base. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be able to, like, physically read anything for a couple of days, probably. Or, like, maybe the day, day after, a couple of days after my LASIK eye surgery that I'm getting this month. Yeah. And so I think I'm just going to, like, throw some Powerpuff Girls up on the TV and just, like, watch that, like, if I can't, like, do 
close up, just like distance focus right away. Yeah, you're going to want stuff that's like kind of like bright and like simple and not too visually complex. So that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. So that should be good. So that shit heals again in two to three days. I'm what a time to be alive. It's it's freaking amazing, man. Lasers, man. Freaking lasers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Mike, what do you say we smoke our way into our main topic? I'm asthmatic, man. Come on. Well, I mean, I am too, but here we are. (laughs) On to our main topic, the fabulous furry freak brothers. Now, Mike, I found issues one, three, six, and seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of the collected adventures of the fabulous furry freak brothers at that stellar moving sale at Outer Plains last year. And I picked it up because it was an indie comic. It looked interesting based on the cover. Again, I'm a stoner and these guys were like running around smoking pot, it looked like, and had cops following them. I was like, I'm in. Let's go. Right. But, you know, actually, let's give a better example of the cover. Mike, do you want to give us a, a better description? Because that wasn't great. yeah sure so there is it looks like a very 70s setting like it's a back alley with like tons of litter and gross garbage everywhere and you can see the fabulous furry freak brothers running away from a crowd of basically kind of keystone cops and there is fat freddy there is phineas and then there is freewheel and franklin and they are all smoking dope. And you know that it's dope because Fat Freddy is carrying a box that says dope on it. There's also a hookah that is being carried. Freddy's cat is up on the fire escape. And like you look at the architecture and everything, the skyline, it's very late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, it's a it's a trip. But um <laughs> I I mean like you look at this and you're like, this feels like an indie comic like it very much is kind of like indicative of that indie comics with an x scene Uh, it says on the cover the collected adventures of the fabulous furry freak brothers because freak is like you know in huge wavy font it looks a lot like kind of like a mad magazine comic almost oh totally no it's like it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like okay so i know what i'm getting into like as soon as i look at the cover for the most part for we'll, we'll see for the most part <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah i had my i had my suspicions about the content but yeah it's like oh okay so this is a book for stoner culture which right. i have come across this every now and then in like back issue boxes and stuff like that and i just kind of like breeze right over it because i am not a stoner <laughs> like, <Right>. i am <laughs> me I always go hunting what I am baked, so I'm like, <laughs> look, they're they're high too. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because Sarah and I have talked about this a bit. Like, neither of us has ever had pot, like ever. Oh, babies. Um, well, you know, and it's just for different reasons. Like, my big thing was right. I got raised in a family where there was a history of addiction, and so that oh, just kind of. Okay. That kind of like, you know, I was like, eh, I think I'm good. And then I got really irritated dealing with a lot of stoners when I was an EMT. Mm. And like, especially when I was on ski patrol, because people would like go hide off in the trees and then get stoned and then go skiing. And I was like, okay, you morons. Like, come on. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) But yeah, like it just, it was never my thing. And these days it's like, well, it's legal. Like, it's fine. I'm also asthmatic. So like, you know, I can't really smoke anyway because I'll die. But yeah, it's just never been my scene. And again, no judgment. Like, I don't care. It's fine. No, for sure. I mean, you've known this about me forever, so. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I knew this about you, like, pretty much the first time we hung out. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me because I, like, (laughs) have social anxiety and this calms my social anxiety. Like, I host trivia. There's absolutely no way I could, like, be that charismatic and outgoing and have no social anxiety if I weren't baked to shit. No way. (laughs) That's my secret, folks. (laughs) So if you're following me from trivia, now you know. (laughs) Do people never know, though? Honestly, like what it does for me is it really does cut down that anxiety. Yeah. And I mean, like 
I am well aware of like the benefits of marijuana and and yeah. like how it helps people across a spectrum of issues like medical, mm-hmm. psychological, everything. It is stupidly criminalized. And I think as a result, there's still that stigma in media yeah. a lot of the times. And then also, I mean, it's still criminalized in like a bunch of states, but like, you know, we live in California mm-hmm. where it's been legal forever. I don't know. Well, and it's still federally criminal, so you know what I mean? Is so it even still if federally like, criminal? Oh, God. It's okay. still federally criminal, so that means that if you work for, like, a federal organization, you also are subject to the... Even if you live in a state where it's legal, you're still subject to those rules. Yeah, when I was in college in Arizona, it was still a felony, but they basically... It was a class E felony, so they prosecuted it as a misdemeanor, at least like in my county, because Oh, you know, I see a Trump level felony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's pretty harsh. Like, I would like you to look at the difference between those two things. <laughs> Smoking a little green and like everything, everything Trump has done that is yeah. under that umbrella of things. And yeah, insane money like, laundering and tax fraud, whatever just fucking wild to me yeah yeah so anyway but that's 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 not quite our topic today our topic is uh comics about weed (laughs) so in order to really get down into the history of the series we need to talk a bit and by a bit i mean a lot about the creator of this comic so gilbert shelton was born in houston texas may 31st 1940 Gilbert's got a birthday coming up. Mm. Gemini, just like me, watch out, everyone. (laughs) And uh, stayed in the Houston area through his formative years, and he attended undergrad in a few different universities in Texas, graduating with his bachelor's degree in social sciences in 1961. Hmm. He started his cartooning career through publishing his cartoons in the University of Texas's humor magazine called The Texas Ranger. (laughs) Of all things. All right. Like. <laughs> exactly. So he moved to New York immediately after college and continued cartooning despite moving into a different type of work where he snuck his drawings into the automotive magazines he edited. <laughs> okay. Like that's some grade A trolling though. I love it. It's pretty funny. I know. I like that a lot. I can't be mad I love at it. that at no, all. No, no. <laughs> so around that time. More of his work was published in Warren Publishing's Help, which is a satire magazine. And this was also around the time in 1961 that he came up with the character Wonder Warthog. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, so think of a warthog with the powers of Superman. You're just on the right track. (laughs) Okay. A porcine superhero. (laughs) (laughs) So Shelton then booked it back to Texas in 1962, enrolling in graduate school in order to be deferred from the draft. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he finally published his Wonder Warthog comics for the first time in 1962, with two short stories appearing in Bacchanal, which was a short-lived college humor magazine. He switched from graduate school to art school, where he became friends with, you know, casually, Janis Joplin. (laughs) Okay. I know. I know. No other thing to say other than that. It just like was (laughs) mentioned and I thought I'd throw it in there. Yeah, why not? So even after state hopping and enrolling in school to avoid the draft, they finally got to him and he was drafted. However, he was not accepted into the military after being deemed unfit due to his confessed prior use of psychedelic (laughs) drugs. I like, no, have thank you. Whole you are note. damaged goods now. <laughs> I'm willing to bet that this was the inspiration for the one comic that he did about Fat Freddy getting drafted. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad you talked about it because I did not bring it up. <laughs> Brought up other things, but not that yeah, one. <laughs> well, there's a lot to discuss. There's a lot. <laughs> After that point, Shelton did some bouncing around between 1965 to 1968, going back to New York, then to Los Angeles, then home to Texas, and then finally settling in San Francisco in 1968. Oh, okay, cool. Like, because I was actually, like, I had some thoughts about, like, it's not really implied which city they're in in the comic. Oh, yeah. They're 100% in San Francisco. Yeah. Are they in San Francisco? Okay. Like, I never saw any landmarks. 
Yeah, they're in San Francisco. They make it more clear in the show and they actually say it. And that may be in like the second episode or something like that, because I know you only kind of checked out the first one. Yeah, the show itself, it's like, no, it's San Francisco, obviously. But like the the comic, I just I wasn't like I was like, I don't know, this could be kind of anywhere. Like, yeah, I think it was supposed to be like modeled after. But yeah, it certainly was. The the vibe was supposed to be that, I believe. All right. Yeah. 1968 was also when we reached the subject of our main topic, as Shelton self-published a chronicle of his own strips titled Feds and Heads, and featured works that had been previously featured in Austin, Texas's indie publication, The Rag. And that included the previously mentioned Wonder Warthog, as well as what is now Shelton's best-known work and our main topic, the fabulous furry Freak Brothers. Mm-hmm. So when he initially self-published, he did this out of his own house. He collated and stapled by hand in his garage every single copy, initially creating 5,000 copies. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was wild. Yeah. This is like TMNT all over again. It's like a real Mirage Studio situation. Totally. Totally. That's how it feels. The publication was so popular, however, that it ended up being reprinted by San Francisco-based publisher Printment, selling over 200,000 copies by 1980. So in 1969, Shelton co-founded Ripoff Press with three other former Texans. Oh, shit. He founded Ripoff Press? Holy shit. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> All right. Like, because that's a San Francisco oh. publisher, and they're they're based out of Auburn now, I think, but they're still in existence. Oh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't get too far into the publication, like any of like those those publications, but I did think that was super interesting. Yeah. No. I I know about ripoff. Okay. I've had to research them before for stuff. So yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Maybe we'll have to do a little deep dive, and we can tell our listeners more about it. You want to do that, Mike? You want to mm. fall on that knife for us? Sure. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I'm like assigning you things. Yeah, you know, I know how it works. (laughs) So the other, you know, the other co-founders, as you know, were Fred Todd, Dave Moriarty and cartoonist Mm -hmm. Jack Jackson. Mm -hmm. And at that point, one of the things that they did was sold weekly content to underground and student publications. They also printed their own strip style comics and compilations of these. So Shelton created a spinoff to the brothers called Fat Freddy's Cat due to the popularity of the original strip or the cat within that strip. Shelton also worked on many different projects with the indie comics publisher Zap Comics, which is why you may have seen some references to Zap in the properties. Yeah, if you, that makes I don't sense. know if you noticed any of that. Yeah, I noticed it a couple of times. Yeah, a couple that like they used the sound effect a lot. And they kind of like every once in a while, someone would say zap or yeah, it was interesting. I noticed it myself. And that was even before researching it. I have a very strong memory of like the first issue of zap and its cover. And I feel, I feel I like it's, a, I, yeah, like... I was going to say, I, I feel like it is a, a Shelton cover. It looks like something that he would have drawn at least. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to pull it out for one of our uh, dollar bin discoveries even. Yeah. Cause it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I might have that one. I at least have some Zap stuff. So the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers was in publication from 1969 to 1997, with Ripoff Press publishing 14 issues of the comic during that time. One source said 13, one source said 14, so I just kind of went with a higher number. Yeah. Many of the issues have multiple reprints as well. But let's get into the meat of the episode and talk about these freak, quote unquote, brothers themselves. So like you said, it's Phineas, Freewheel and Franklin and Fat Freddy and then Fat Freddy's cat. And they live in San Francisco. They're not actually brothers. They all have different parents and Freewheel and Franklin doesn't even know his parents, but they're all brothers nonetheless. So... However, that works, I guess, just in the brotherhood. Brothers from another mother. It makes sense. You know, smoking a lot of dudes together. The plot of the comic is pretty basic. Uh, It really just revolves around three stoners who get into some wild antics while using and or procuring their recreational drugs. 
it's also a pretty illicit comic, very much for the over 18 crowd with other oh, adult 100%. content. 100%. It's very pornographic, sexual situations, addiction, other really pretty intense topics, actually. I can see where they were trying to toe the line of making light of some really heavy situations, but it, it did feel a bit extreme at times, which was very obviously the point, but also, you know, rides that line of being a little uncomfy. Yeah, and I mean, like, the issues that I read were pretty beefy, but, like, each adventure starring the brothers, they're, you know, they're, like, one to, what, five pages, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes they'd have, like, a, yeah, they did that that kind of a, a, I didn't write this down, but that was kind of the formula that they did, where they had some stories where it was a few pages like that, you know, where right. it was kind of, like, about four or five pages, and then they would do a one page kind of interlude one. And then they mm-hmm. would do a Fat Freddy's cat strip. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Which, you know. Now, I can't really pick apart the content like we would with a comic that has a cohesive storyline. So I'm not going to be giving you like a play by play. Right. But since we're working with more strip style comics today, I'm just going to give you some situations from. The more than half of the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers omnibus that I also purchased. Oh, wow. Half of. I read like half of it and I was like, it's fat. Like I wasn't going to be able to read all of it. I mean, just being honest with everyone, there was only so much time. Like I was going to need so much fucking time. And I just didn't know that I had that much energy for it, especially based on some of the things that I will tell you about. Yeah, it's definitely of an era. Yeah, 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 it is. But, you know, let's spice this up a little bit, Mike. I'm going to present these examples as things that instantly shouted red flag. And okay. I'm just <laughs> just going to go in order from start. All right. My body is ready. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to include everything. I think you've got, you're going to actually cover some of the things that I didn't talk about, which is great. But here are some of the things that I noted for this section. So starting with there is an alarming amount of rape jokes, including talking about very young children. There's a whole joke that they set up about how Fat Freddy loses his sense of smell after drinking too much and accidentally buys parsley instead of weed, so one of the bros makes him eat all of it, with the setup being that he shouldn't have done that because it's a powerful aphrodisiac. The punchline, (laughs) that there's an article in the newspaper the next day about a serial rapist going on a rampage the night before. Yeah. And that's like incredibly that's like, early in the comics. It's in the first issue. The first, actually, the first page actually mentioned child abuse, child sexual abuse, which is like awful. Yeah. Um, Like the very first, like within the first cover, inside cover page, I was like, wow, that's really fucking setting a tone. No. Yep. So... There were jokes about putting holes in Fat Freddy's condom because the other two were sleeping with his girlfriend behind his back and she gave them all the clap. That's. That was a thing. That was a thing. Uh, one of their favorite people to make fun of is the quote unquote stupid deaf and blind officer that the other officers are always sending to the wrong place on purpose. And the ableist joke, of course, being that he looks so stupid because he has no idea that he's not doing what he thinks he was supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I mean, we should preface that by saying that these are those aren't part of the Freaks Brothers, like kind of like narrative. It's like kind of the the inserted comic that's sort of a, a break between the comics. Yeah, but they do bring him up sometimes, so it is oh, do within. They? Okay, I didn't get do. to that one. Apparently. It is within the world. Yeah, no, I know it's within. The, yeah, in the omnibus part, it they do like bring him up like okay. at one point later on. I know. Uh, Fat Freddy goes back home and accidentally sleeps with his own sister. Yeah, God. Fat Freddy almost gets busted by the police and then paints his car and himself black to evade the police. The blackface was not cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of really degrading jokes about people from Mexico, where Free Will and Franklin, his clothes get torn to shreds and he's accepted by everyone because his clothes are, quote-unquote, matching the native garb. Right. It was gross. And there was just a whole section with other racist jabs like that. I, that was just one of them. Yeah. And the problem is, is that like, 
a lot of times the people that are making the racist jabs are basically they're meant to be satirical stabs at like a lot of times the establishment. But the problem is, is it yeah. doesn't make it better these days. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I do think it was supposed to be heavily satirical, but it has some really like heavy edge lord vibes, like very yeah. much feeling like it's trying to push the envelope with some of the situations that are brought up. Like, yeah, it's a uh, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, what did you think about the comic? Uh, mm. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> ev- like, we I have to acknowledge that we are reading this through the lens of 50 plus years later. But it, feel- it feels like something that I would read in like a raunchier version of Mad Magazine, for better or worse. Some of it still works and feels relatively clever. Like in the first issue, the first strip that they do, the first story is basically it's a comic version of the movie Reefer Madness. And I was like, what is this? You know, because it's people who are driven to murder and rape after smoking pot, only for it to be revealed as a movie that the Freak Brothers are showing because they were hired to make it. They're like, they paid us to make this. And I'm like, okay, that's actually pretty funny. (laughs) Like, Or there's one where they went to Disneyland, but I think... Free Will and Franklin and Fat Freddy make it past the dress code, the grooming, and the attitude inspectors. And and Phineas doesn't because he's like a filthy hippie. <laughs> and then they end up selling, you know, in quotes, drugs. It's really like a bunch of spices to parents in the park. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I thought that was funny too. So when I worked at Disneyland, it was like they didn't have like really, they, they had like a loose dress code and stuff like that. But apparently because they had a barber who you could go to, like you could go on the property and get like a, a nice kind of inexpensive haircut, which was great because they paid us, you know, like minimum wage. Yeah. He was telling me about how they, they had like a haircut, like code where it was like guys couldn't have long hair and they used to have like a much stricter dress code too. It was like, okay, wow. you know, like, yeah. So anyway, so I was reading that and I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. There's the one where fat Freddy is a department store Santa and he's asking kids, what they want for Christmas, but it's all kind of like iconic cartoon character kids. Like there's uh-huh. <laughs> Charlie Brown and there's Dennis uh-huh. the Menace. I, it wasn't Orphan Annie. It was someone else. It was like Little Susie or something like that. It was I don't like Little Audrey or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember her name, but she's got like kind of the black spiky hair and, and they're yeah. all just like, they're like, nah, fuck those toys. We want drugs. <laughs> was like that was pretty good. Or, or, you know, there's one where Fat Freddy is like walking through the park because he's trying to score some weed and then he gets mugged. Yeah. So he loses his $15. But then the muggers keep getting mugged like by like it's basically like gangs of muggers. <laughs> that was funny. And then Fat Freddy is like walking back the way he came. And then he kind of finds the remains of the mugger gang war. And so he not only gets his money back, but he also gets a ton of drugs and weapons. And so he comes home. He's like, sorry, I couldn't eat grass, but I got like a bunch of heroin and like reds and blues. And you're like, okay. Yo. <laughs> like, that, that was pretty funny. They did have some clever ones, you know, they yeah, did like, have some clever ones. There's some stuff that still holds up, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where I was like reading through it and I'm like, all right, it's so like about every third one that I read, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. Um, right. Same, same. But, you know, again, 50 years later, mm-hmm. I also I can appreciate how the comic isn't afraid to take pot shots at everybody. Like it does not paint the brothers as aspirational. It is making fun of the counterculture movement. It is making fun of drugged out hippies of that era. It makes fun of cops. It makes fun of politicians mm-hmm. like nobody is safe, which I I did appreciate. But, you know, like you said, there's a lot of problematic stuff in this. Like there's the story where Fat Freddy gets drafted and he's trying to get out of it Mm. any way he can, which like Mm. at the end includes him going like, I'm a queer. And then they go, well, that's fine. We'll just put you in general Gaylord's homosexual division. And then it's like this strapping dude with like a riding crop. And he's like, we're very disciplined. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Or, um, tricky prick ears. He was the, the blind and deaf cop. Um, so like aside from the ableism, There's also like, you know, a lot of various slurs, like the first panel basically Mm. is talking about N-words and, um, you know, (laughs) there's a line about Jewish lawyers, but, you know, they turn that into a slur too. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and in that one, he is, I think he's sent to like 
they tell him that he's going to the UN, but he basically goes to like the equivalent of Harlem. And yeah. so he's like yelling at a large crowd of black people about how he doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. And the black people are drawn kind of, they're supposed to be drawn in a way of like kind of like the thirties and forties comics where they've got like the very exaggerated features and like the white mouth on the, the, the ink black skin. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty shocking to see like, yeah. Um, I, I get that like the style of that particular comic is them trying to, to mock kind of that, that earlier era of comics, but it's still rough. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. You know, there was also, what was it? It was like little orphan amphetamine. It was like, you know, it was obviously meant to be a parody of little orphan Annie comic where the main character is a pretentious heiress who basically she runs away from home after telling her dad that he sucks Cause he's like, Oh, you should go out and do something. You've been lounging around the mansion this whole time. And then mm-hmm. is repeatedly raped by scores of just awful men. Like, and it's like a repeated thing. And that's the joke mm-hmm. is, is like, Oh yeah. look, like she's just, she's so dumb that she's just, you know, basically being raped. And then she calls her dad from San Francisco and she's traumatized. And she says, can I have $400 to fly home and see my therapist? And then a week later, she's again telling him, how he's an awful capitalist pig. The ending caption is like, and so the cycle begins again. And that's the joke. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I ultimately think, I don't know what to think of this comic. It's, (laughs) yeah, it's from a very different time. It is focusing on such a different type of humor than I'm used to. And, you know, I mean, like I get it. I'm a boring straight arrow. Like I am one of three people I know who has never done any kind of recreational drug. But I also think it's a prime example of how humor evolves. Like if you go back and rewatch sex comedies from the 70s and 80s, consent isn't a thing in them. And like female characters are generally not actually characters. They're just props for the main dudes to pork. Like, Which was the same with us as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like the way that they, the way that they draw women a lot of the time, it's, you know, very... Very uncomfortable to see now. And it's like, you know, they'll be like the women will be running and then like they'll be thrown back and you'll see that their boobs are basically higher than their head and you can see the nipples poking through the dresses. It's really uncomfortable. But like the thing is, is that change often change often happens starting out on the margins. And this was a comic that was very much on the margins and it was also an extreme form of satire. So it's hard to judge this as harshly as I have judged other comics. I'm not saying it's not problematic. I think it's very problematic in certain ways, but I can also, I don't know if appreciates the right word, but I can, I can understand what it was trying to accomplish. I think, Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And there were a few in there, you know, like there actually were a couple that you mentioned in there that I actually found genuinely like enjoyable yeah. like that one with the the gangs that were mobbing or that were mugging each other i thought that was really funny yeah and i mean the other thing is like that was an era where there was a massive urban crime problem like right. like you know central park was like a place that you did not want to go after dark right yeah well like i mentioned earlier the comic was published from 1969 to 1997. And of course, there was an omnibus that was printed after the fact, etc. But that's the comics are not where we leave the Freak Brothers, okay? And we've already given a little hint about this, but there's more even beyond that. Because while they were being independently published, the Freak Brothers also found their ways into publications like Playboy and High Times. Which oh, well, wow. I mean, like, sense. High Times makes sense, but, like, Playboy, that's pretty edgy for Playboy. It's pretty edgy, yeah. And maybe they did more of their softer stuff, or I I don't know. I can't speak to that. Yeah, who knows? I, I didn't see what was featured, but just was a call out. The Freaks were also found in other media, including in 1978, when, without permission, the Freak Brothers appeared as characters in the full-length pornographic film Up in Flames. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Please tell me you watched at least some of this and you can... I didn't. I didn't. I know. <laughs> oh, I found out about it too late. I read it I read about it as I was writing this and I was I just didn't have enough time. I'm I am so morbidly <laughs> curious about what this entails, but I don't want I that kind of being anywhere maybe, near my streaming devices. Maybe I'll do an update on it later cuz I don't give a fuck. 
You have children. <laughs> I don't. Only sometimes. <laughs> Only sometimes. You, Icky yes. and Noodle, though, are too pure. <laughs> they really are, though. They really are. So Shelton and the others did, however, sell the rights to rip off press or to be used, at least, to Universal for $200,000, with some aspirations of making a Freak Brothers film, among others, though none of these ever came to fruition. I mean, that's like, that's a lot of money back in the 70s. That's just to kind of dump and not do anything with. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, I mean, like, I agree. That I think that's got to be close to a million dollars worth of like purchasing power these days, if not more. Right. Right. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Yeah, for sure. And then in 2006, there was another attempt at making a show based on the Freak Brothers called Grassroots, and it was through Grassroots Films. However, work on the Claymation show ended in 2013 without being completed. It was Claymation? Jesus Christ. It was going to be Claymation. I saw a couple stills. It was pretty fucking goofy. Yeah. (laughs) And this is where things get interesting and way more fucking recent. We get in your time machines, friends. We are going to jump all the way to 2021. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yes, we have indeed reached modern day and we have new Freak Brothers media, which I also had you take a look at. You did. I downloaded Tubi for this. I set up an account with Tubi for this episode. (laughs) Because, yes, Tubi actually bought rights to the property. And in 2021, season one of the Freak Brothers was released. And this included eight 25 minute episodes. The general premise is that the brothers, along with Fat Freddy's cat, go to Woodstock in 1969 in order to find the special spiritual leader who will get them the most high they've ever been. Like, they want life-changing high. It's called and the ultimate how? high, right? Like the ultimate high, exactly. <laughs> I like how you remember that and I don't. I was also very baked. <laughs> um, appropriately, of course. The three of them and the cat put the magic elixir on a joint. They all took up in their basement apartment in San Francisco. And then we see the passage of time as the brothers sleep through 50 fucking years, like Rip Van Winkle style, waking up in the year 2020. It's very much like Futurama, where you see like their (laughs) house get bulldozed numerous times while like everything is going on above them. It's so good. And they're just fucking passed out, like drooling on themselves. They freak the actual owners of the house out. And the sister who happens to be a social advocate for those experiencing housing crisis And they end up being able to stay in the basement as they adapt to their new world. They have many exploits, like discovering dispensaries for the first time, trying to find that spiritual leader again to send them back in time since they thought they had, like, time traveled to get to the future to begin with. They do find the guy. They make the elixir they think is going to take them back in time, and they basically just end up sleeping for two weeks. Which is pretty funny, too. (laughs) Yeah, and well, and the, the whole thing is when they wake up and like, how long was I asleep for? And Phineas is sitting there and he's like, well, like, I'm a pretty good judge of this. So I think like an hour. And then, <laughs> and then Free Will and Franklin is like, mm, I could use some more sleep. And he just like goes upstairs to like lay down in bed. They have like cobwebs on them and shit. It's the, yeah, that was, that was pretty clever. Yeah. Did I mention that there is a knockout fucking cast? Dude, it's wild. Like, There's no reason that this cast should be involved with this. It feels far too extravagant for the subject matter, but it's Woody Harrelson, Pete Davidson's in it, fucking John Goodman's in it, and Tiffany Haddish is Fat Freddy's cat. Anytime that she shows up in something, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give it at least like one episode. Right. Exactly, exactly. And she definitely, she definitely like pulled the show through. She definitely was like, oh, yeah. definitely a highlight of the show and kept me interested. She's got her own exploits, which was great. Yeah, I've got thoughts about the show, but we'll talk about them in a sec. Yeah, totally. So prior to the full season coming out in November of 2021, there was a mini episode that aired, though I'm not sure where, and it was called Kentucky Fried Freaks. I didn't watch that one, Hmm. so I'm not sure what it was about, but Mm. I think it was probably just like a little introduction, probably, to the uh, freaks would be my guess. 
But Mike, what did you think about the show? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I think it's uh, yeah. it's very true to the spirit of the comic. And I mean, that is both a compliment and a criticism. I mean, the cast is absolutely unreal. I think the whole Rip Van Winkle-esque plot was a smart move. I don't think the brothers would really work today without having other people to kind of balance them out. I also think San Francisco, like, because they explicitly call it out of San Francisco in the show, whereas in the comic, it's like, you know, it could be kind of like anything and like, it's just kind of like, you know, a city. Yeah. I can't think of another city that has changed so drastically in the last 50 years. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, the characters in the overall tone feel pretty true to the spirit of the comic. Like, but I'm not really the target audience for stoner humor. So I was like, man, I, I kind of sat through it and I was like, it's fine. The animation quality is it's fine. Yeah. I really think like it's one of those things where it's like, it's not a bad show, but there is no reason that you should have a cast this stacked for it. Seriously. It's wild. And like that said, like there were some definitely funny moments. Like they wake up because they smell the pot that a couple of cops are smoking. Right. (laughs) And like I I did genuinely like just guffaw because one of the cops is like, oh, man, it's so nice to be able to smoke pot on our brakes because it stresses me out after shooting unarmed civilians or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) I was on the floor at that comment. Seriously. Yes. (sighs) Yeah. Also, like I love how. They now have these like, you know, moneyed kind of hipsters living above them. And like (laughs) the the dude has like a collection of like samurai swords like on his display case. And I'm like, yeah, of course you fucking do. Like, all right. Yeah, I think it is a pretty solid adaptation of this comic in a way that, you know, that works actually pretty well for today. Like it is, it is rude and it still skewers everybody that it can, but it feels less problematic than. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it polished a lot, a lot of those rough edges yeah, for exactly. the audiences that were really probably, I mean, definitely too rough for mainstream media. You could, you sure. couldn't do just a straight adaptation of it today, but like, I think you can take <sighs> a lot of kind of like of the vibe. Vibe. Yeah. And then with some massaging, it you can make it pretty palatable. And like, I actually did a little bit of reading about this. Apparently, this was like the top streamed original content for Tubi, if not like their top streamed content when they launched it. Which what? okay, wild. <laughs> Look at like, you, more power to facts. them. Yeah. Damn. Well, I know. I I'm still a couple of episodes away from the end i i don't know if i'll watch it or not after this it was kind of for research but yeah we'll see the rest kind of feel that it's the same thing you know but guess what mm. i i know you're excited about this because we're getting even more of the freak <laughs> brothers as they have been renewed for a second season as of may of 2022 i'm very excited to let those episodes sit unwatched in tubi yeah right so, but here's the thing. It was slated to be out in December of 2022, but there hasn't been even a whisper about it since Interesting. that date has I mean, passed. Yeah. Okay. So this was 2021 when it no came out? No updated release date. Yeah. So, yep. And then it yeah. was, it was renewed 2022 and then it was I supposed mean, to come out in December of 2022. So I don't know what happened. Yeah. That's, hmm. That'll be interesting. I. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really curious to see if they actually come through with it or if it just winds up on the chopping block. It might, depending on who is producing it, that might have something to do with it too, especially if it's part of like Warner Brothers or something, but I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that's really it for our main topic today. Mike, do you feel ready to roll a doobie into our brain wrinkles? (laughs) Can I just have the munchies anyway without getting stoned? Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to bar you from doing anything. Cool, because we baked cookies <laughs> last night and I really want them. Oh good. Oh, yes, have them. Have them. <gasps> I just remembered that Matt gave me a box of Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies and they're in my freezer right now. We have so many fucking Girl Scout cookies in our house. <laughs> we have so many. I didn't buy any this year. This is my only box and it was only because he was like, "Do you want a box of Girl Scout cookies?" and I was like, what do you got? No, here's here's mints, the problem yeah, is <laughs> my stepdaughter is a Girl Scout now and they like 
we bought we had so many Girl Scout cookies in our house, and like most of them have been delivered out to everybody. But good mm-hmm. lord, it is the worst fucking temptation. Oh no! Do I need to buy something from you so it keeps you away from the temptation? No, I've eaten them all already. Oh, okay. Well, that's there. You go then. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna fall on that sword for you. Yeah, thanks for jumping on that grenade. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's roll over. But I'll take us there. Hold on. So we have reached brain wrinkles, which is that one thing comics or comics adjacent that's just been rattling around in our noggin. Mike, what you got for us today? I have been thinking about Conan the Barbarian again. I found out that the new volume of Savage Avengers is, I guess it's on hold or maybe canceled because Marvel lost the rights to Conan. They they actually lost the rights around issue five, and I think we're on like issue nine or ten now. Oh. They did a whole thing where they basically sent him home to his time, and I was like waiting for them to bring him back, and then I found out that apparently he's just not part of Marvel anymore, so... Yeah, it was it was nice. They at least got to send him off in a fun, meaningful way while continuing the series for a little while. But I mean, you know, it was all before things got put on pause. It's kind of a bummer because the new series was really fun. And Conan is over at Titan Comics now. I actually managed to snag the premiere of the series for free comic book day yesterday. But Mm, it just it kind of makes me a little sad how Conan keeps on bouncing around between publishers and I I've yet to really not enjoy a Conan story regardless of which publisher he's at I think the Dark Horse series was what really got me into it and it was beautifully written it was by Kurt Busiek and uh, Carrie Nord who was the artist on the Star Trek X-Men crossover that we discussed a while back oh okay Yeah. yeah 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 and like absolutely beautiful it makes me a little sad because like they kind of have to restart everything and then Conan somehow worked really well as part of the larger Marvel universe, you know, as well as like he had his own series in his own time. And the writer of that series, I think is actually writing the new one at Titan. So like, hopefully it'll, you know, kind of continue the general vibe, but like, I, I don't know. It just, it kind of makes me a little bit sad because I really enjoyed watching him like drink with Wolverine or at one point, like, like at the end of the first Savage Avengers run, it's like this crazy epic story where like they get Kang the Conqueror involved and like Doctor Strange is there and Doctor Doom winds up working with him and everything. And it was it was just really cool. Like he has a nice he has like a symbiote sword from Venom, like it, or, you know, like from the species of like symbiotes that, yeah. you know, that that are that Venom's a part of. It was just it was really wild to see him kind of causing chaos. And it turns out he became like bros with the Punisher. Like, you know, <sighs> totally. Yeah. I don't, I don't really nice. have a, a larger, deeper thought to this, but it's just kind of like, oh, I guess my beautiful boy is no longer part of Marvel. Okay. <laughs> Man. What about you? Yeah. What is, uh, what is wrinkling the old noggin this time? Oh my gosh. So I am trying to improve my situation here. And as I gesture vaguely around my... Your blanket fort. (laughs) My blanket fort of a recording space. Which is doubling Um, as a hot box today. Right. Yeah, that was unintentional, but <laughs> but it happened. <laughs> so, but I'm I'm trying to this this is legitimately like I live in a tiny house. I we built my house, my family and I, and my house is 8 feet wide and when I put this together like legitimately, there's only 4 feet of room here. Yeah. Like in the space this is literally just the hallway of my house my house is a hallway it's like a 20 it's like a 30 foot hallway that's it right and i just i needed some space and so i ended up purchasing one of those build it yourself sheds from home depot and i gotta tell you like don't start one of these things if you're a fucking amateur like if if it i know you can build this shit yourself but it's complicated. I've like, seen some of the TikTok footage and it's an undertaking. It is. Like my brother and dad 
well, first of all, <laughs> kind of told me to stay the fuck out of the way and then got mad at me when I went to a comic book <laughs> signing day. <laughs> I show up the next day and my my brother like that evening when I got home was like, it would have been nice if you were there. I was like, you literally told me I would get in the way. And he was like, we were just shoveling gravel. And then like my dad, too, was like, it would have been nice if you were here. Oh, my God. Was this the day that you that we hung out with Liam Sharp? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it would have been nice if you told me you needed me here. But you literally told me to fuck off. So that's what I did. I fucked off and I went to a comic book signing and then I went and I got a Casper dog. Yeah. Absolutely it was. I was chilling reading She-Hulk eating a Casper dog afterwards. It was great. Yeah. And you got to go to Flying Colors, which is an amazing shop in the East Bay. Yeah. So, yeah. But, so yes, I did get yelled at for that. But. Whatever. They can kick rocks. Literally, they were kicking rocks without me that day because they were just shoveling (laughs) (laughs) gravel. So, but I helped the next day with gravel and I pulled my back. <laughs> God. It was a whole fucking thing. Yeah. But we got that all down. The It took days and days, but we finally got the majority of the outside of it done. Like, I'm really just doing the finishing up of like caulking around everything. And I'm talking like anything that touches together, I am putting a caulk strip next to. So that just takes some time. We've had rain on and off, but I've done the majority of it to where like the affected areas, basically, where it would Hmm. be affected the most. It's mostly just like ladder work around like this time. And then I have to do some caulking on the inside and then I'm going to be completely redoing the inside. And I, this is going somewhere regarding the podcast because I'm making a recording studio space in there. I'm just going to put in a couple extra walls nice, and make a little, a little pod for myself that I can open and close the door. And yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I've been working on. That's what I've been really busy. I'm somehow like I have, I've quit my job and I'm still busy. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm not doing this offline. Like, like you only have five jobs now instead of six. I, I know, right? Jeez, Louise. I know, and I've got prospects because I need to get another something. So, <laughs> oh, good. good times. God, hustle culture. Hustle culture really got me to chokehold. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's what I'm thinking about. Just like building my recording space. I'm honestly, I'm so excited to see the end result because you're going to have an area to like store your comics. You're also going to have like an area that's yeah. like dedicated for recording space. I think it's going to yeah. be great. And, you know, I'm just going to keep on recording space. out of the bedroom. So, you know, it's cool. that's okay. That's okay. We, we do what we can. I happen to live on a five acre property where I have the ability to, you know, build a, an extra tiny house outside of my tiny house, which is basically what it is. It's got windows and shit. This is nice living. Yeah. Well, you know, like it's funny because we had to adjust the setup of our bedroom because we put in bookshelves and all that. And so we moved the desk over to the other side of the room. And and so suddenly I wasn't recording in the corner anymore. And then I got a standing desk. And, yeah, you know, and so now I'm instead of recording into a hard bare corner of walls, I have like, you know, curtains that I'm recording into. And so I don't have to worry about using my studio box as much that I had where. Basically, you couldn't see my face for about two thirds of the episode because I was just sticking it in a soundproof little box to record. <laughs> Mike was just ostrich diving into his sound box like I'm... every five seconds. You say that, but it's not not true. I know. That's why I'm laughing so hard because it was like it was quite the visual. You'd just be like plunk. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, you know what? I think that just about wraps up our episode this week. All right. Yeah. So I think next week we're going to do kids hydrators. We're finally doing that, aren't we? We're (laughs) finally. That's finally happening. We only recorded that episode, what, two months ago? Two. Yeah. More than maybe. Maybe it was three. Yeah. So we are finally going to be talking about kids hydrators, which water, it was a water brand like a water gimmicky brand thing it was yeah. yeah i'm i'm very jazzed about it yeah so that was that was a mic episode and i i'm gonna go back and do more editing all right well but you know what guys until then we'll see you in the stacks thanks for listening to 10 cent takes accessibility is important to us so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website this episode was hosted by jessica frazier and mike thompson 
written by Jessica Frazier and edited by Mike Thompson. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jarrett Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan MacDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who's at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter for now. The official podcast account is Tencent Takes, all one word. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica is spelled with a K. And Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. You can also find us on Instagram, Mastodon, Hive, Facebook, and TikTok. A full list of our socials will be listed in the show notes. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop. 